Coming up, with a number of high-profile coaching candidates now on the market, did Sean Marks and the Brooklyn Nets make a misstep this offseason already having extended Jacques Vaughn? We dive in next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends. It is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie. He's the owner-operator of DFSR for all your daily fantasy sports rankings. From DraftKings to FanDuel, he's got you covered. I'm Adam Arbrick, breaking down the New York football giants and the New Jersey Devils on those podcasts that you can find wherever you feel the need to. Thank you for making us your first listen today. We're free on all those great platforms. And Doug, we always say it. The Nets do not lack for content to discuss and seemingly what at the time felt like a symbolic gesture of resetting what this organization wanted to be, how they wanted to be perceived. Jacques Vaughn retained as the coach, given an extension. Just a couple of short months later, things look vastly different as we see some of the firings around the NBA. Yeah, this has become an interesting sort of subplot of the NBA, or excuse me, of the Nets offseason and, you know, coming out of a second straight year of sweeps and in the, through the playoffs and sort of wondering where they are in terms of timeline for the team. And just like there's so many different directions they could go. One of them really this season could have been coaching and it might have not been an unreasonable time to think about it. And like you said at the top with Jacques Vaughn, they have – at this point extended him through the 26, 27 season. We'll talk about like sort of why they did that at the time. But like you said, at the beginning, like that is probably looking a little premature now that like the NBA coaching landscape has begun to open up. So while I can see why Sean Marks and company would have wanted a steady hand here at the timeline that they did, I do wonder if this is another example and it probably is, or just let's just say it definitely was, <laughs> yeah. of not seeing the forest for the trees in terms of certain moves, like for like how they were going to set things up, or or valuing certain elements of team and, and organizational building more than they might be warranted, <laughs> like like because yeah. of the timeline your team is on. I like so, I don't know, man. This is interesting. It, I, seeing these names floated here, it does make me wonder about this Vaughn thing for sure. And we're going to talk about coming up just to let everybody know Mike Budenholzer uh, let go by the Milwaukee Bucks. You have Nick Nurse, who was let go by the Toronto Raptors. Vogel, Frank Vogel, obviously, who's had 10 years with the Pacers, with the Lakers. And then even a name like Ime Udoka, who we know was discussed, ultimately not hired by the Brooklyn Nets. He's already found his landing spot. So just to give the landscape of what some of these big, na big names are. When we talk about Jock Vaughn, though, so it, it's interesting, man, because in the moment when you and I remember when you and I discussed it, it was like, yeah, this makes sense. He's a guy who's been here. He has familiarity. Now, I think we both said at the time, listen, whether this all works out with the superstars or not, you feel like you have a guy you have familiarity with that. Maybe you felt like you wanted to give the coaching job after the bubble year, but you went with Steve Nash, a relatable player for superstar talent that didn't work out in hindsight. I, I can look at it now and say, well, that almost feels like a panicked move, though, because you make this long-term commitment 
to a head coach and to an individual that you're clearly very fond of and respect. And this can work out for him. The Brooklyn Nets are in the process of reconfiguring their assistant coaching staff, having let several players go, uh, coaches go that you discussed previously. But now you're here. Like th- this, this desire to stop having chaos, ironically enough, may be breeding some potential chaos if this doesn't go the way it's supposed to. And we're not going to know that for another six months, you know, until we see the results on the court with this team going forward. Yeah. And also let me preface it by saying I like Jacques Vaughn. So it's actually not even, this is, this actually, I wouldn't even, isn't even anti Jacques Vaughn. Like at the time, you know, making him the head coach made sense. The extension, I I actually can't remember our thought process in the time about exactly. My guess was like, Hey, it's a steadying hand kind of move. Even if the timeline felt probably a little head scratchy Mm -hmm. in like how many years they were going out with it. Um, So like none of this is at anti-Jacques Vaughn. I, I, but I do wonder if yeah. And look, the landscape has opened up to a point that maybe nobody saw coming to like, there's, there's a, there's a part of that too, which we'll talk about with some of these other coaches for sure. But, but at, I do wonder if coming out of the Nash era, like it was almost all, how do we reset these things, this stuff after Nash and after Kenny Atkinson, honestly, too, <laughs> you know, like, cause we have to go back all the way back to Atkinson, who was sort of like unceremoniously canned because presumably the superstars didn't like him, even though he had done a really damn admirable job <laughs> in sort of player yeah. development and all this other stuff that he brought to the organization. And he was kind of kicked to the curb. I mean, <laughs> Sort of because he didn't want to start DeAndre Jordan. I know that's like that's putting it a little a little frankly, but like whatever. So you yeah. move you you screw that up, you, you you screw the Nash thing up, and now it's like, well, we gotta be committed to a certain guy. That line of thinking, it definitely was for sure premature because there was also no rush to do it. Here's and this is the other problem too. Like there was just no rush. Like the team was clearly in a in a, a stage of pivoting in some way no one knew what the pivot was going to be like at the time <laughs> right but like who was what was the rush i guess would be my point on this like what like for the for this long-term extension when you don't even know what your team is going to be in one year like that's the weird part and now maybe you want to have a steady hand because you don't know what it's going to be and you want like a solidifying factor this right. job would have been there in june or July, you know what I mean? Like the extension, he wouldn't yeah. have been a lame duck coach. I, I don't know. Like, I think, the, I think the prematurity of it is like, what's probably the most perplexing. Well, and, and, and it's, it's funny too, because again, at the time, like you mentioned, just, you know, a refresher, Jacques Vaughn who come from underneath that, that uh, San Antonio Spurs tree with John Marks at the top in his first two years. Coaching in Orlando for three seasons will be great. And the Orlando organization has been bad for so long that you don't hold that against him. He resettles. He's been with the team since 16-17. That bubble sweet 10-game stretch was in 2019-20, 7-3 record, and he guided them to 43-32 and this year across the superstar and then the non-superstar era. But to your point, I will say that the lack of pressure to make this decision, which I think you're accurate about, the thing that you then didn't afford yourself, if you wanted to, was to see how Jacques Vaughn fared with Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson and this new version of the team so that you could say, if it doesn't gel, if we don't think that he's the right coach for the job, it's actually pretty easy to reset that with the new personnel in mind. So you get the, the, both the, best, uh, the best of both worlds. Excuse me. I get the sample size with this coach and these players, and I get the opportunity to explore what could be out there. Could the Nets have foreseen the number of high-profile coaches that were going to become available? Maybe not. But it just wasn't a necessity. 
at the minimum. It was not a necessity. Naming him a head coach for the remainder of the season, that was all good. But the extension was nothing that at a fan base, that media, right? No one was clamoring for that to happen. And you do potentially paint yourself into a bit of a corner, something that we'll discuss coming up here as we highlight all of these far more accomplished coaches that are now in the market. All right. And well, yeah, we'll get into some of these coaches. We'll get into like what that landscape actually looks like now and why this might, you know, frankly get a little bit weird. We'll talk about that in a second. First, going to say about our friends over at eBay Motors for a championship team. It's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors with eBay Guaranteed Fit. You can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage. That's your garage over there on the eBay uh, on the site. And look for the green check to know the part will fill or your money back. Just because in sports, confidence is the name of the game. When you shop on eBay Motors, it's the same over there as well. With 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay. So the conversation that we probably were not planning on having this offseason for the Brooklyn Nets was, are there better coaching candidates out there? Who will the Brooklyn Nets potentially hire? And it all stems from the idea that you have Nick Nurse a couple weeks ago with the Toronto Raptors being let go. We'll discuss him. But obviously the one that came down today or tonight as we're recording on Thursday, be Friday's episode for you is Coach Bud Budenholzer being let go by the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, their first-round exit early, as it was, obviously has the Giannis injury. We can talk about what he is as a coach per se, but it now creates this pool, right, Doug, of a lot of guys with a lot of things on their resume, mainly championships, <laughs> that you can point to and say, are they better suited or at least potential candidates you may want to interview if you're a team like the Brooklyn Nets who is starting a somewhat partial rebuild around a new set of players? Yeah, three of the four last uh, for the last three four th three of the last four coaches that got there who have uh, won the championship have been fired. Only Steve Kerr right now, the only remaining guy. And who knows? Let's see where the Warriors land up. Now nah, he's safe. Um, <laughs> yeah, but Frank Vogel. Uh, Mike Budenholzer and Nick Nurse uh, have all been let go over the last, and that's not in that order of championships, but you know those are the last three. Those are three of the last four to do it. Have all are all out there on the open market now. Like you said, Nurse and, and Coach Bud uh, are relatively new, but the coaching carousel kind of always circles, and so you kind of always can expect someone to probably be out there. Uh, you know, Ty Lue and guys like this have been out there in the past as well. With with Bud, I, you know, it's funny. I I definitely thought it with Nurse. I really did think it with Bud too. Like these guys would be our great coaches. I, like that's just that point stop. There's really actually not a debate about this. Like these guys are great coaches. Does every coach have flaws? For sure, right? Like does everyone do these jobs last long? Clearly not. These guys just won the championships and they're all canned um, within a couple of years. But it was actually when when Bud got fired, I was like, man, he would have been a really good match. Like this guy, yeah. Does he have like trouble adapting the playoffs? Uh, clearly, like it's it's a is it, was it a fatal flaw? Yeah, for sure. Like it was. Like that's why that's ultimately why he got fired. And you know, when a, a one seed loses to an eight seed, like someone's got to someone's got to fall on the sword. Um, and and it was him. But what of a guy like 
Mike Budenholzer been a good coach for like a rebuilding Nets? Dude, of course. Of course. Like this guy has gotten so much out of guys. The guy like basically started making Giannis's career. Like these, this team has played absolutely awesome, even at times where they've been missing some of their superstars. He's on his second two straight organizations that he basically just turned around um, mm-hmm. and like brought really sort of at the time revolutionary systems. If you go up, you know, Harab Avagaris, uh, one of the great NBA minds out there, you know, made a note of it today and he's correct, like, and saying that, yeah, you want to take, you know, pot shots at Bud, like everyone copies the, some of the stuff that he brought into the league. <laughs> like, um, and can he not, did he make, have trouble with some stuff in the playoffs? Yeah, for sure, dude. Would you want him as your coach, as a rebuilding team? Dude, of course, of course. And way, so, yeah, go ahead. You don't have to, you don't have to squint too hard. And remember, he, he was with the Spurs from 96, 97 through 2013. He comes from the same tree that Sean Marks lives in, right? So when you talk about fit or just, a disciple of Greg Popovich, right? Like the pedigree is there for him and specifically on, on Budenholzer, you mentioned it. Like when you think about, I mentioned at the top there with Jacques Vaughn, ah, well, Orlando and not necessarily a great situation. Okay. But Budenholzer is now successfully. And and with the bucks, when you have Giannis, it should be pretty easy. By the way, someone who wasn't easy for was Jason Kidd, who didn't last very long there trying to have success. So having his track record specifically with coach bud just speaks volumes to the idea of he could come in the door and you could set a reasonable expectation year over year growth development and achievement doesn't mean you're automatically going to earmark for a championship along the way no but for a team like this who want to stabilize and want to feel like they're going to be in playoff here's year year i'm a little bit curious to the thoughts about nick nurse as he was somebody that only has the one stop assistant with Toronto then takes over the head coaching job. But I like developmentally what he's done with a lot of those players over the last handful of seasons. Yeah. And like with nurse too. So like, these are both like sort of like development, style scheme coaches, right? Like they have, and, and their feet have already been in the fire where that's concerned. Nurse yeah. actually was a pretty good, um, sort of adjustments guy. He had a weird roster this year. Clearly something was going on in Toronto. I don't know if it was a player's thing or like everyone, he had just like lost the clubhouse or everyone was just sort of happy or, or unhappy. It's a little weird what happened there, but like the rumblings that he was going to leave started like midway through the season when they were still sort of in the playoff chase. But yeah, in terms like, in terms of like his background, yeah, like, of course, like he's another player development guy. I mean, he's another obvious one too. Like he's, well, you it's, know, it's, it's Go ahead. I'll just sorry. No, it's funny about Nick Nurse is I remember them saying one of the disconnects organizationally with him may have been a lack of willingness to play some of the younger guys, you know, yeah. and fold bring them into the fold here with the familiar faces of Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Fleet. So there's a loyalty maybe to veterans and not ready to be bringing along some of these younger talents. I only chuckle because it's like that might fit perfectly with Brooklyn. They got a guy like Cam yeah. Thomas that organizationally they don't want to play and they're not interested in playing the young guys. So there, there are those things that attached, especially to Nick Nurse. But to your point, like that was only over this season. And it seemed like there was some level of writing on the wall for Nick Nurse very early on this year that if not for a, a somewhat substantial playoff run, you could see them looking to make a change here. And that organization may be going through a little bit of a change here as well with Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Fleet, older players, guys that are getting older, have a lot of money. So you can paint a picture, I think, one way or the other. But but Nick Nurse, with only having that one stop, is as viable to him even more so. If I have to pick out the two, Nick Nurse has always intrigued me, I guess I'll say that from afar. And when you dropped in a superstar talent with Kawhi Leonard, it was like, 
boom, championship. Thanks so much. He knew exactly how to use that high-level talent as well. And his background, like the reason he only had one stop in the NBA was because it was all G League and development stuff before that, right? So like it, it wasn't it wasn't like he was making this like assistant coaching carousel. He was all about player development. It was his whole back, literally his whole background was like he was one of these guys, like sort of like Mark Dagnalt that, um, like for OKC who earned their stripes in the G League, showed that they really had the chops to actually handle a team. And then they were able to just kind of sit, sit right down in the coaching chair. That was what happened with basically what happened with nurse too. So yeah. Did, does it look weird coming out of this season because of that stuff? Probably a little bit, but it's not like his background isn't development. It's all development. Right. And I would just say one last note on him because it's funny. You know, at least I, I forgot his first year as the head coach was the championship run with Kawhi Leonard for the Toronto Raptors in 1819. They have injuries with Pascal Siaka, but when you look at it, 58, 53, 27 win season, 48, and then a 500 ball club this past year, it's certainly not as deep. Speaking to the developmental aspect all the way to the G League is something that I think matters potentially for the Brooklyn Nets if you look forward and bringing in a couple of draft picks and knowing, you know, what? three four contributors on this roster like like nicholas claxton whatever we think is going to happen with cam thomas potentially could be guys that you're talking about 23 24 and under needing to be brought along in a substantial way and evolve their roles if you want to compliment the mikhail bridges and uh, maybe cam johnson's the world we have another offseason episode coming up on him probably at some point but it is interesting to me to now this this two coach list right here will bring up frank vogel We'll bring up Ime Adoka, who, yes, already has a new head coaching job, but we all understand where he was in the hierarchy. And ask the question, even if it means paying the life of the contract for Jacques Vaughn, we'll dive into that here next. Okay, so obviously then the big question here, or at least when you and I were kind of discussing <laughs> what is just atypical, I'm sorry, atypical, typical for the Brooklyn Nets in a given offseason is, should these names, and we could talk about Frank Vogel and his track record with the Pacers and with the Lakers, another championship coach, we could bring up Ime Adoka, who, yes, is a head coach now and has his new job, but was the name that everyone around the Brooklyn Nets thought was going to be the next coach. Maybe that changed after you traded the superstar. So we don't have to go too far down that road. But, Doug, I mean, isn't the question, okay, you signed the extension. Should you cut off your nose to spite your face here and not? recalibrate now that you see all of these potential coaching candidates that are available. Yeah. So there's like two answers to this, right? Okay. And I think actually Adoka is a, is an interesting like sort of test case for where the, the organization is here. And I won't go like too far into email here because I think we just know all the details pretty much of what's going, you know, what's going on there, but they were, it looked very much like they were set to hire him right yeah. after the Nash thing. And then got, they didn't want to, whether they found out something, you know, more about what happened in the Celtics situation, or they were just worried about the PR hit that they were going to take <laughs> right around this situation on a team. That's definitely worried about the PR stuff at this point. Um, and some and maybe speculation right, Adam so. Silver stepped in and said, Hey, this guy cannot get a job immediately after being let go by Boston. Fair enough. There was other right. issues. There was other issues at play. So, I, but I think that, the reason that it's an interesting sort of analog to the situation is that, or maybe not an analog, but like it's, it's, it's interesting to bring up because I do think while the net should always, you should always be willing to explore options if they're better than your current option. <laughs> like that's clearly <laughs> what you should always do. Um, and sometimes it can mean something that's slightly uncomfortable or doesn't look great, or you think sends a bad signal or whatever it is. Um, but 
I think the Nets in this current version of them, and actually this has some some to do with what we talked about with Dylan Brooks, and I think it's going to be actually things that we talk about later on about like moves or potential moves they end up trying to make down the line here. I do get worried that this team is like laser focused on like perception and possibly at the cost of like fundamentally great business decisions. And and sometimes those two things are like not mutually exclusive. And so I don't think there's like any chance they fight. They, there's no chance they go after any of these guys, but it's a shame because I think this is an organization that's like probably very worried about image at this point. And I do get worried that this is going to be another example of image and culture or like whatever the words are you want to use coming in front of what would be a good basketball decision right and i think that's i think that's fundamentally gonna be a problem and i actually think that this is gonna be something we talk about a lot like this sort of thing yeah and i I think like and i i I agree with you right when you look especially with again with budenholzer when you look at a guy like nurse even frank vogel frankly not to be not to be weird with my words but there is the reality of of what the upside could be now i guess you could say what are the Brooklyn Nets between now and those 28 and 29 draft picks? What's the ceiling for this team, depending on how they treat this offseason? That might impact it. Can Jacques Vaughn be a good coach? Like, can his staff look different next year and, and he show a, a, a nice trajectory going forward? Yes. So I think in some ways, like, we're doing ourselves or doing Jacques Vaughn, like, a gross disservice by being like, I mean, obviously anybody other than John Vaughn would be a better no, decision it's here. Not that. Now, and, and we said, and you said at the top two, so I'm just reiterating, like he's done something well. There's some things to criticize. By the way, when your team underachieves or when you're a frustrated fan base or when you're the Milwaukee Bucks, even the Milwaukee Bucks looked at yeah. Coach Bud and said, not good enough in spite of being a guy that led him to a championship, right? So you're always going to look at the negatives and not necessarily amplify the positives. I, 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 unfortunately, I don't think to your point, the nets are going to be in these waters. It may ultimately not matter if I'm being honest, because until you make decisions about what you want this roster to be and how you want to move forward as an organization, the head coach, I hate to say it, Jock Vaughn may still be a lame duck head coach for this organization. It just may be a much longer runway before ultimately they say, and now we're going to turn things over. The last thing I'll mention is the one difference here would be, you could make a lot of, of big moves and big decisions around your team and roster construction if uh, maybe a lot more easily from a PR standpoint if you were bringing in a new coach. Cam Thomas being one of those examples. Hey, Coach Bud doesn't need that guy. He wants certain types of players on his roster. Nick Nurse, right? You could justify making some bigger changes rather than saying here is this core, the guys that came in through the KD and Kyrie trade, and we want a lot of these pieces to be representative of how we have success going forward. Jacques Vaughn is a part of that nucleus as well. You know, it's hilarious that I agree with what you're saying, and I also just made me think of something. It's also hilariously presumptuous that like these guys would even like they might look at be like the Brooklyn job. What Dude, are you they're nuts? dying to take this job, Doug? How dare you? <laughs> it is so insanely presumptuous to be like, if we didn't have Jacques Vaughn, these guys would be falling over. They'd be falling over each other. Damn you, get, Jacques Vaughn! To get to get into get into the coaching seat, like that looked a lot different when it was Katie and Kyrie. I don't know how. I, it is funny. I actually don't. I'm, now that we've gone all the way through this, I'm actually not sure how. Uh, 
like how other people or how outside coaches would actually even would they even view this situation as um you know a positive one there's there's a good chance they might say no chance i don't know i just think it, it is funny at the tail end to be like this Brooklyn situation that doesn't seem like to know if it's coming or going that has like, you know, two and a half good players. Like this, let's bring in, let's bring in these guys. Let's bring in the best coaches there are hey, to coach hey. these guys. Of course they would want it. No, you convince me that we should hire you as the head coach. Not the other way around, pal. We are a stalwart of the NBA. Yes. That is a good note to close on. All right, we're going to get out of here. Um, we'll be back. We're going to have a ton to talk about. Like I said, we've been teasing it for a little bit. We are going to start getting into draft coverage. There's been a couple names actually floated out specifically for the Nets um, that they might have their eyes on. One, a New Zealand uh, guy. So we'll see if that's going to be a place that they go. We are going to get into draft coverage. Uh, we will just keep talking about the rest of the uh, playoffs, obviously, for sure. And then uh, any player moves and any other things that come along. We'll be doing that starting again next week because we're here five days a week. Um, make sure you subscribe to over to Locked On Nets YouTube wherever you listen. Subscribe to the podcast as well. Yeah, take it on a challenge. A lot like riding a horse, isn't it? If you're comfortable with what you're doing, you're probably doing it wrong. That's Theodore Lasso. Oh, one of the all-time great poets. We will be back again next week talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.